The underwater horror film The Deep House is available on digital and on demand. When a young couple sets out to explore a house at the bottom of a lake, they discover a sinister presence. Can they escape the underwater house of horrors before it's too late? Buy or rent The Deep House today to find out. Unrated from Paramount Pictures. We are also giving away five copies of The Deep House through a giveaway on our Twitter at Nightlight underscore pod. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we got David. Blower Jobs. Also known as Nightly. <laughs> Another than we got Freddy. Always keeping it spooky. Always and forever. <laughs> I like that you keep it the same. You don't throw wrenches in there for me. Also known as Nighty Night. We are Grew Nights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, goddammit, and discuss the ultimate question why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. <laughs> I don't even think she said that. Yes, yeah, she did. I don't think she said blower. Anyway, we'll say? get to <laughs> <laughs> You can support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they would. Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you'll have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post show. If you don't have any bucks at all, so don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Kicking this off with a brand new month. This year has been fucking insane. It's been nuts. This is the last month to this year. We've been doing this for two years. How do y'all feel? Does it feel like two years to you? It feels like longer. It feels feels longer. longer. It feels like we're at the end of year three. That's what it does feel like to me as well. Like It feels like we've been doing this for so long. (laughs) Like I think about our first episode and how long ago that felt. Yes. That was a different time. That was was a different time. time. Like we, we, we've grown so much. We have that we have. It's been exciting, but we're, we're in and off this month or in and off this year, excuse me, with a fucking banger. Because we're going to reverse Christmas on this ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> we are, really are. So we're going to reverse Christmas because we are covering only possession movies this whole entire month. Yummy. Oh, my gosh. Yummy. What the this fuck? This month. <laughs> called. <laughs> Forgive me, Father. Starting this month off with The Last Exorcism. Not of Emily Rose. We technically cover that, and you can check that episode out if you subscribe to uh, our Patreon. Speaking of first episode. Exactly. Very yeah, first episode. Very that first was episode. our pilot episode. Yeah. We had in front of a live audience literally only two people. But <laughs> <It's> <laughs> true, but it counts. And they gave us great feedback, which is now the show that it is today. But kicking things off with The Last Exorcism. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. It's funny that you bring up the exorcism of Emily Rose because when we did that episode I had thought I had seen the exorcism of Emily Rose but it was this one but it was this movie the last exorcism and I didn't realize I had seen this movie until the last five to ten minutes (laughs) <laughs> which was insane to me. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Hey, it's like, I've seen this before. Yeah, <laughs> while I was watching this, I was like, man, this seems familiar, but I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but 
going to my thoughts, I think this film very much encapsulates a 2010 found footage possession film. Like if you want to see what was popular during this era, this film represents that. I think, uh, I think it's interesting because this film doesn't really have all that many scares in it, but I think it's the anticipation of scares coming that really have people on the edge of their seats. I mean, I think at the time it works very well. I always like to look at the films that we watch in the context of the year they came out. Um, I think this, this film is enjoyable. Um, but this is like my comfort food when it comes to horror, as we all know. Yeah, this is like your month. Yeah, this is this month yeah. is like purely dedicated to David. Forgive me, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's a little biased with me, right? I, I I think this film is good. At twenty in twenty ten, I would have been. Well, I did watch this back then, but I I don't. I remember, remember watching it. this in theaters. I remember mm. torrenting this. Whoops. Good times. <laughs> Self-incrimination. Get it, boys. And then going and paying for it <laughs> so I could watch it. <laughs> paying for it 11 years later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I so watched it with the mindset of, I'm going to talk about this in a podcast one day. <laughs> I think this film is uh, still holds up. It might not be the strongest, but it's still enjoyable to watch. I think the ongoing mystery of what's going on is entertaining. Um but I'm just so basic where I just want more of the possession scares. I want to see some exorcism, like green skin and like... I want to see some gnarly shit. Yeah, exactly. It, is it shocking for both of you, if I say this right now, that this movie is PG-13? No. No. It felt PG-13, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was my problem with this movie. This yeah. movie f- I felt like it was for a teenage audience. You know what? Looking back now, that makes a lot more sense of what I wanted more, and I didn't realize it was PG-13, so that's probably why. Um, I think uh, the actress that plays now, Ashley Bell, if she's doing all the body contortion on her own... That's real. That's... She's, yeah, she, yeah, she's, she's really insane. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. that. That's all real. That's all her. Yeah, so... That's nuts. I think she, she excels at the role, definitely. I think this poster is scarier than this movie. I would have to agree. I agree with yeah. that. It doesn't encapsulate that the vibe of what the movie actually shows us. Right. right. And that's what I'm saying I would want more of. I would right. want the vibe that this the movie poster shows off. Absolutely. What about you, Freddie? Um... I'm sadly not a big fan of this movie. That's okay. That's which, fine. Yeah, which no, no, no. I feel like I love the concept of the movie more than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of tonal shifts where it's like, all right, it's being very funny, very silly, and yeah. we have this like. Cotton Marcus was a character. Yeah, huh? he's an over top, <laughs> over the top character that we get introduced, and it's very comedic. He's very charismatic I in the beginning. I feel like it was interesting at the very beginning. Like, cool. Let's oh, introduce yeah, no, this I agree guy. That, but I'm just saying, Look, like, he's I very, like, witty. <laughs> he's giving the preach. And he's like, watch, I could, like, sneak this cornbread recipe in here. Sure, I'll buy it. Yeah. I think I don't like how they went from the approach of it being a documentary. I think if they took this a little bit more on just, like, it being a movie rather than being, like, found footage or, like, it's so documentary funny you say style. That because they did that for part two. Oh, interesting. They did exactly what you want for part two. Part two is fifteen percent run to me. Oh, I have okay. to watch it. I've never seen it. I have to. Know. I've never seen it, but I I, I hear horrible things. The lower about the it. score, the more I want to watch it. Honestly, oh my god, as really? you should. Yeah. Um, I want to hear why you don't like uh, Cotton's character. What is it about it? <laughs> I don't like. I don't like his aspects of of shifting, and how 
at the very end, and we'll get to it, but at the very end, he kind of just throws his whole family away. Oh, yeah, I can see that. At the <laughs> very end, it does. Too, and yeah. I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> you, uh, if I would have seen that, I'd be like, fuck this. <laughs> way past my over. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I, out of here. I think for what they were trying to build up for his character, it makes sense on oh, paper, no, but I, I don't think it's executed well, so right. I agree with you. I, I love that he... It's all a joke to him at first. Like it's very much presented in a way where he's like, "I could say anything I want," or like, right, right. "I'm, I need to make money to provide for my family. I'll, I'll provide a service, and if someone feels fulfilled by that service, then I did my job, right?" And I think it's, it's such a great take to see how he stages an exorcism, and it's so smart to see as far as like a, a story creating standpoint, um, because we've seen the play of exorcisms being played out on film many, many times before, but this is a good way to blend a comedic twist to it mm-hmm. and it's done really well really well it makes you wonder like that's, man yeah, like how have people double done this guess before? and yeah. i'm sort of yeah. like oh i'm sure it's a real thing that happens and like i said the base the best part about this movie is like i loved all of the concepts i love that this is a guy who grew up within like the catholic church was being a pastor and really believed in everything and then he kind of switches his mind after something happens and be like Oh, is it really something I should? I think it was really the birth pursue? of his son, right? Right. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, I need to realize, like, maybe this is not for me. Let's document this and let's see this last exorcism out and show you the real world of what's really happening. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that we get like someone from the church that questions their faith, right? And has who almost was, who was it. there, like super dedicated, and then changes their mind. So we can see a lot of character growth within that. I just feel like the way they told the story and how he kind of acted with some stuff. So it's like, uh, it's like, yeah. it's not very entertaining. It's just like, it. you're being too silly. Like, yeah, it's what, not- this, this is why I wanted to happen. Like when you were saying like, Oh, the last like five to 10 minutes were like when like shit was really going down yeah. or even the barn scene, which we'll talk about too, was like really going down. I never felt like he was fully on board with the exorcism and you see it. He's like, Nope. It like cuts away from like the intensity of the moment. I'm just like, let the intensity play out. Yeah, let it build. It's interesting because as I think I like Cotton's character because um, as someone that was introduced to religion at a young age, realized I'm atheist, uh, it seems like this character has the same approach. But when he sees the climatic moment at the end where he's like, oh, shit, like, this shit this is, is real. real. Like, 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 oh, shit, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> my faith. <face. Yeah. laughs> but I think what's cool is that he uses his teachings because he, right. even though he may not believe he is he's, continued in the career, right. he's undertaking the teaching from such a young age, he's like, time to use my arsenal. But then it's like, nothing's going to happen, right? right? But I think it's a good, it's good character progression on paper, but I do find it very silly that it's like, he was talking about in the beginning how he did this all for his family, and at the end, he's like, "Be gone, demon!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I'm actually a little bit of a protector of this movie. I'm not the biggest fan of this movie, but at the same time, I don't think it's as bad as some people would say it is. Right. Um. So like, I I I do find myself kind of protecting this movie a bit. Um, at times and like the contortion work from Ashley Bell is incredible. It's yeah, really she's creepy. The best part of she, this movie. Oh, hands down. Yeah. She she was awesome. Um, I like the villains and how smart they are, um, and how they kind of always had this plan. Yeah. And like it was just like the whole concept of even Nell telling lies and stuff like that. And 
um, the birth thing and have it's like a reverse Virgin Mary type of situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's it was it was interesting and in how you even get context of how the uh, birthing or not the birthing but the pregnancy even happened. But it's it was a fascinating take on that. But I really like Caleb. I really like Caleb's character. Um, and or I mean, yeah, his name Caleb. is really Caleb. His name is Caleb. Caleb really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He which did is a interesting. Really good job. Mostly everyone has this exact same name, like, right? Like Iris um, is Iris. I think it's Iris, right? Iris. Yeah, Iris. Yeah. Lewis. Like everybody is pretty much the same here, and it's it's uh super interesting. But um, but yeah, like I mean, overall, like I'm pretty like okay and so so on this movie. Right. Like it's it's not like a movie that. I want to watch all the time, but at times I was like, man, put this on yeah. and I have a good yeah. time with it. Like, I don't really have a bad time with it. I yeah. have a good time with it. I think I just yeah. wanted more exorcism. Sure. More no, I, do, I did too. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. I, I wanted that as well. And my same issue with this movie is the same thing with the movie, the right. Mm. Like, I just want, I just want the climactic scene to last longer. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. I think a movie I saw somewhat recently and I was able to uh, interview the actress with this movie too. The Cleansing Hour did a really good job with this type of like story. Uh, that was a long possession scene. Yes, <laughs> but it was almost like David for like I'm not gonna spoil too much about that movie. But like the whole concept is like, oh, these guys do fake online, like they're like streaming online mm-hmm. exorcisms, but they're making it up. It's not real. Yeah. And then one time it is real. Oh. And then they have to stay online and stream everything, and they have to do a real exorcism. That sounds like my cup of tea. Yeah, I highly recommend. It's interesting. Check it out. Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> that sounds like my Snapple's cup of tea. <laughs> well, let's go and just jump up in this, y'all. The Last Exorcism, directed by Daniel Stamm, released on August 27th, 2010. Runtime of one hour and 27 minutes with, with a budget of $1.8 million and a box office of $67.7 million. Nice. So people watched this movie. Yeah, they did. Um, that, it's 2010. That's right. I mean, a lot was going on in 2010. Like, we, it was such a new age for horror. Mm-hmm. Like, horror was starting to kind of get its momentum going again, yeah. and they were starting to kind of fall down. Especially with the found footage oh, coming back. God, yeah. yeah, like 2007 was nuts for that the whole span. But in a rating of 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this movie's not rated poorly. Um, this is a rating that I kind of agree with. I would maybe say more in the 60s for me personally. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, hey... Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but man, shout out to the red Lionsgate logo, though. <laughs> like every time I w- we would see that logo, oh, I loved bro. it, bro. It's like you knew you're like, oh, this movie will be scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was just that type of movie. Um, but uh, we open to, with no title, straight, just straight to our scammy Southern preacher protagonist, Cotton Marcus, getting ready for his upcoming sermon. A glimpse of outside of his house in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, he playfully forces his son, Justin, out of the bed with his wife, Shanna, um, and cuts to them rushing into church. Cotton is being welcomed in by his dad, John, to give a sermon. In the documentary style, Cotton expresses his history with preaching at a young age. I thought that was interesting. That was an interesting context for that. Like, I, I thought that was just super fascinating. Um, but it's the one thing that I don't, I guess, the, when it comes to how it was kind of driven, is the main issue with most of found footage movies is, especially when it comes to like these mockumentary style ones, um, who is editing? <laughs> like, right? that's, like, okay. that, like that, that's the main thing that yeah. makes me 
kind of get out uh, of it when I see his name damn, pop up and stuff like that. You killed it for me. I never see? thought about <laughs> it. So for the most part, they do a really good job of like having it carry on in this show. It's like he doesn't transition as much. But when we get to like the last couple scenes where it's like in the barn scene, it cuts to different characters. I was like, why is it cutting? It's like, this is supposed to be a documentary. Damn. This is supposed to be like live footage. You know, it's very... It's like, it took me out. I was like, no. It's very interesting that you two mentioned that because I have been grappling with the struggle of um, suspending um, disbelief. Bo- disbelief of reality where I feel like I ground things in reality so much that I'm surprised I've never had that thought process of like who's editing this, right. which is like... I like that I didn't do that though because it's it's That's it's good. hard to do now. I didn't do it until the barn scene. I was yeah. like, oh wait, you're taking me out. That's a very good point yeah. to make. Yeah, it's it's maybe it's the cult. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, we, I was gonna say we have the camera. It's now. Let's finish the movie for it. <laughs> They're like, we got it now. May as well. Um, he continues that every preacher, preacher needs a hook to allow people to pay. Him being the child preacher, it was his father's way of grooming him so they can make make more money. Back with him giving an energetic sermon, then Shanna speaking about her husband being a performer and a natural uh, creative, building props for for his homemade movies. While she is speaking, footage of Cotton showing showing him fellowship and do magic tricks with his son. And I thought that was interesting how he kind of does these magic tricks and you kind of get the sense of like okay he's adding this to his spiel of other things i think right. this is it just shows that he's a trickster right. i think this Slide is so smart i think so too yeah like i don't think i've seen a lot of other um films in, in the horror genre do this when it comes to like those that perform exorcisms and it's yeah. like such a unique and smart twist to take um and like I mean, the the first half of the movie really demonstrates that like what can be done with it and how. I mean, I love that even his father was like, uh, he groomed his his son to yeah to be a preacher just and, to, to rack in more money. Exactly, I love that because it's like, you know, not to get too deep into it, but I'm like, there can be lots of problems with religion, and this can be a, an aspect that shows it in a comedic light, right? Um, right. But it's a good way of like demonstrating that. That's not offensive. Yeah, and I don't want to say this is where like every church does this, but I, uh, my first job was at a church. It was oh, at what? my old elementary school. I was like pretty much their secretary in a way. I answered the phone calls. Um, Did you do any exorcisms? No exorcisms. Okay. No, but it's funny how like priests live because they're supposed to live like a very simple life. Yeah. But they used to go like on golf trips. They're, the guy they're pretty like, lavish, like a, dude. a Mercedes. I'm like so confused by it and me as a kid i recognize now i'm just like oh i i'm in where they live yeah <laughs> and they have me like preparing their meals Was and like catholic? getting phone calls yeah catholic but i'm sure not all parishes are like that so i'm not going to say that and it's not down yeah to, no, like, no no they're, they're not but a lot of them are. <laughs> but it's like it's interesting it's like oh what's real what's not yeah yeah it's one of those things like people are people sometimes and they'll take advantage and just right yeah. like i mean there's there's even like a bunch of these like uh, pastors and I guess they're not even pastors. They're I guess preachers. I don't know. Right. They they're on like TikTok and stuff, and it's interesting even hearing them like talk on TikTok. <laughs> right. it's, like, it's a game popularity what? and like gather yeah, people. Yeah, like it, it's interesting. And but. there was uh, there was a movie I saw recently, and there was such a great line. It's like, oh, you can't make fun of Christianity. We have over a billion followers. It's like so does <laughs> but someone's like so does the Rock. So fuck off. I was like, yo. That's pretty good. I don't know if that's verbatim, but it was like close to that. It's like, so does the rock. So it's like, oh shit. That's pretty good. It's like, damn. <laughs> 
Um, the, the church is usually boring, but Cotton puts on a good show that he that it is never boring. Cotton is showing the uh, parishioners a deck of cards as he continues his sermon about about uh about it being filled with God, some being good and some evil. He shows the queen of hearts for people to not fall for a pretty face. He puts the deck down, holding the card, turning it into a, into a jack, calling it the prince of lies. They all applaud and cheer as he walks down the aisle with all of the cards now jacks. He spills them on the ground as he continues, and he does it like all fancy, and she's like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, Look at my magic. Power of Jesus. Cotton is speaking with the, with the documentary director Iris about his crowd um, all excited to the point where they're not even listening. I thought this was fascinating. Yeah. The not when listening talking, part, Yeah, that Ugh. was genius to me. I, I want mm. to say a lot, but I think that's best saved for a religious podcast. A religious podcast. Yeah, our religious <laughs> podcast. Also known as uh, the post show. Yes. Good segue. <laughs> she doesn't believe that, but he challenges himself that they, they aren't uh, listening to the point where he can literally talk about anything he wants to. Iris laughs at his mockery, not thinking that would work. And she's like, you're kind of like calling them stupid. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, you realize that, right? And he was like, yes, they're stupid. Like, <laughs> he bets her that he can preach about his mom's banana bread recipe when they get back inside. Back inside the church, Cotton is given his energetic uh, sermon, switching it midway to the banana b- bread tutorial. And this is funny. <laughs> this yeah. is funny. Yeah. Like, I love that. Like, me too. Like, uh, like, part of the movie. I think this was really good and the amens and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like the only word they're listening to right. is amen. And that's the part where it's like, all right, I like this character. He's very like charismatic, charismatic. and yeah, playful, but it, like it stayed. It's like welcome way too long. You know, interestingly for me, fair enough. Uh, this makes me think of midnight mass where it's Whoa. like, you know, <laughs> I, was in, I was just thinking about midnight yeah. mass in my head. Yeah. <laughs> in this context, it's comedic. Right, but like uh, when you look he's at mon- your peri- he's monsignor period. Yeah, you can <laughs> see the implications it could have when it's taken seriously, and what yeah. some leaders can do to to mold the minds of churchgoers. Right. right. I mean, everybody wants to learn the story of the preacher that lost his faith. Yeah, everyone is interested in that story because this person who was so devout and so de- just to to the point of where they made a career out of it the, not even a career a lifestyle yeah definitely out a lifestyle of it. it's more like, than a career it, it's uh you know it's a lot of people find that fascinating so that i think that's why this story here is in the beginning so comedic because he sees religion as just a joke just as a money gaining joke mm-hmm. cuz i mean if you think about it religion is a very lucrative business because it's untaxable you can't tax religion it's always fascinating to me that people can live off of doing this for their livelihood because i always just wonder like where's that money even come from right donations. yeah i mean you say what nothing parishioners <laughs> not the donations oh yeah donations but like is, i mean the donations goes to it. that specific church and then also right. other things but too. I, I always just wonder but it pays for like their rent their food I, their that's what I, I always wonder is there that many donations that come through? sometimes it depends i mean they also get a lot of like Grants sometimes, yeah. Um, it, sponsorships. It all depends off of w- um, where your church is based as well. Events. They uh, sometimes like our parish used to have crab feeds, mm-hmm. and that was like super expensive. And here's the, the best Saint part. Robert's Festival. They the, dive the, into that. And also <gasps> the school itself. That's what, and that's what I was about to say. The best part is the fact that most churches have schools. 
Oh. And they'll get money from the schools. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. So, like, it's interesting to even think of it that way, yeah. where you're just like, most of this is coming from something such as uh, as that where it's a private school therefore city grants get grants and things like that so much stuff but the city does matter too like dependent and where in the city matters um wherever you have it um dependent off of certain grants you get like for example when um and obviously this is historic but when notre dame burnt down and like obviously like such a historical piece of a landmark but at the same time it was going to be rebuilt anyway. Like they got the money. Yeah. They have a literal city in Italy, Vatican city. Yeah. Like it's just like, what? <laughs> so it's its own yeah, country. They're, they're legit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's literal own country. So like they, it's insane. The Catholic religion's very powerful. <laughs> Everyone whooping, applauding, and cheering, Cotton running back to the podium with a giant smile on his face. Cuts to them inside John's office. He opens up a safe, pulling out a, a book called Hortus Delicarum. Um, and I, I actually like this part where John's just like, like, yeah, but seriously, don't look at this code. <laughs> Dude, I think the actor that plays John. Fantastic. Yeah, does such an amazing job in this. I don't know if he, he just naturally is smoking like that but <laughs> man it, he was definitely selling the like southern are they from the south yeah southern Louisiana. like reverend yeah like, like baptist backwater yeah like, reverend oh my god <laughs> so accurate yeah seriously commenting that there are about 20 in the whole world he explained how you got that right that would have been my first question like how did you get it i'm i'm curious well he tells you i mean he definitely does but there have you guys seen the movie it's with um, Johnny Dead. Depp. Oh. Edward Scissorhands. It, it, that's one of them. Willy Wonka? Um, no, it's... it's Pirates of the Caribbean? Ninth Gate, I think. Ninth Gate? Never heard, Gate. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, the Ninth Gate. But it's pretty much a movie with him where he is a, uh, a bookseller, but he sells rare books to rich people. Hmm. So he's looking for this specific book that is about Satan, Satanism. Mm-hmm. And it Sketch. is so intriguing. It's like only two books were made and all this other stuff. And The Ninth Gate is fascinating. Yeah. And uh, this is what this reminded me of. This is just this part. Got it. I was just like, oh, I wonder if he got there from The Ninth Gate. <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, he explains that the book, des- uh, the book describes and identifies various demons. Also going over the process of getting rid of that demon. They, uh, they've had exorcists in their family for generations. He is about to continue, Cotton interrupting him, asking how many exorcisms does he think he performed with the help of this book. He believes 150. Oh, my God. Is that 150? (laughs) Yes, 150 exorcisms. Yeah, I'm going to say about 150. (laughs) (laughs) Cotton is being interviewed alone, going over the origin story of Lucifer, speaking that he was an angel, some uh, some people calling him the choir master of heaven. Uh, but Lucifer decided that he wanted to be praised himself, and that's when God casted him out of heaven, taking a third of, of the host of, of heaven with him. 
that being his demons, that being the setup of the Bible. God wanting you to turn the, turn to the light, Satan wants to grab your soul and ultimately overthrow God. Kodnik continues that the Bible is filled with demons, and if you believe in God, then you have to believe in, de- in the devil. He uses Jesus being an exorcist as another reason on having to believe in demons. That's a fascinating way to put it. Yeah, I, but I agree. guess yeah, like that's right, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, if it's it's the history. Yeah. Cut to him getting mail out of his PO box talking about how some people contact him to perform an exorcism. Um and it's so funny because he's just like old school. I like this. And he's like, motherfucker, none of you have cell phones. <laughs> it's 2010. Yeah. <laughs> none of you have cell phones. You waited to go to someone's house to call someone back. What? True what are you that. talking about? Yeah. Old school. It is like the new school's email. (laughs) (laughs) You ever heard of (laughs) dial-up? I got that. (laughs) He goes through uh, where the letters are are from, one pleading for him to open it immediately and it being urgent. Cotton continues his his interviews about exorcisms being continued at a high rate. He states facts that the Vatican uh, used to have have up to 25 sanctioned exorcists on staff, and now um, there are over 300. I looked that up. That is 100% true. What? <laughs> Damn. I believe that. I, believe I that. thought that it was exorcisms was like a dying art. And like no, they, they the Roman Catholic Church or the Vatican City, they still produce these classes. And you can sign up for them. How do you guys think you would uh handle taking on a demon inside you? You think you'd be okay? In, in inside me? Inside me? Inside oh, you. Yeah. I have no idea. I'll like, yo, bro, lose, you want some right? I think I'll be good. I'm like, <laughs> let me, I'll be good. Let me strike a deal with you. <laughs> you can have you. my soul. Meet me at the crossroads. This is what I want. I think I'll be pretty good too. I got plenty of demons in my head already. So <laughs> <laughs> I've tried drown of them. Guess what? They know how to swim. <laughs> but the only the only being the uh, Roman Catholic Church, since they get all of the press because of the movie The Exorcist. Uh, the reality being that exorcisms have been performed by all types of religions all over the world. He shows them the, a local news clipping of him when he was 10 uh, delivering his first exorcism. They are speaking with Cotton's son, Justin, asking, asking what he uh, thinks his dad does. He innocently says that his dad fights ghosts, demons, vampires, and monsters. They ask if he believes in ghosts, and he just shakes his head. No, he's just like, no. Like, <laughs> ghosts are jokes. <laughs> Iris asks if his dad believes in them. He puts a shushing finger to his mouth, then shaking his head uh, while chuckling. Back with Cotton, matter-of-factly, saying that he doesn't believe in actual demons, claiming that he acted like he did when he was performing exorcisms. Iris questions if he is a fraud. He doesn't He doesn't call it that. He sees it as it providing a service for someone who... who uh, is ailed him justifying it all for his family so chopping it up to money again yeah i mean when it comes down to it right do anything you can yeah i mean and if Provide you have this skill set and people are willing to pay for this so-called skill set and they feel better because of it yeah i'm saying right. i agree with morality there. Like, if he performs a service and they feel like they were rightly if they feel like they were relieved of the issues they were having then he did his job Right. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, mm-hmm. it that can get into some gray areas, right? Definitely. Right. Like, I mean, it's... I don't want to even... I'm not going to say their name, but there there was an incident that happened that was similar to something like this, not on the context of exorcisms per se. Um, and th- these are friends of mine, um, but they 
were trying to provide a service where they were going to give mental help, but mm. without a mental physician. That's so, different to me. It, it is, but yeah. at the same time, that's what Cotton is necessarily saying. Gotcha. Right? He's yeah. saying that like they've had this mental problem where I'm making them no longer believe that they have this mental problem. Yeah, that's a really good uh that's a really good way to put it. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting, but it's, it's a gray area, I, I suppose. Definitely. Shanna shares that it all changed when Justin was born, him being born early and them not sure that he will make it. But they found out that he was going to be okay. Con thinking that they are so lucky thanking the doctor, thinking that he should have been thanking God, but that wasn't his first thought. That realization shook him and putting him in a crisis of faith. He would he would question if he ever believed in God in the first place because he was preaching at such an early age. Yet this didn't stop him from being a preacher. It feeling natural to him. Shanna believes that that he would have quit quit at it eventually. But a story of a boy named Victor Turoy from uh, Harrisburg, Texas, who had autism. Um, kind of changed his mind she continues that he was suffocated to death during an exorcism with well-meaning people trying to get this demon out of him i think that's the great part right yeah like you you're trying everything you can and, and we've heard this story before right i mean um uh annalise michelle right i mean the the story of the exorcism of emily rose like yeah. that's where it comes from and like you had that preacher who had thought he was doing the right thing by not allowing her to eat and yeah. it's like it wasn't yeah. so like it, it's very interesting very interesting very great yeah very great cotton uh, reads the article uh, read that article and his son was about his age that's another thing in this movie the timing the time frames in this movie seems all mixed up like we have justin who looks like he was about that kid Victor's age now. Yeah, because it, it show it was that's a really good point <laughs> because it was a while back. Right. Apparently. Oh, yeah, we have to watch that back. Yeah, and yet like hmm. he then says this thing, he was just like um he was about his he said his son was about his age. And I wanna say that he probably meant that he's about his age now. Now I can see that. Probably, right. Yeah. Like but he does it again <laughs> when it's like, like a a three year span in a, in something like that. It, it, we'll we'll get to it, but it, it really kind of caught me off guard, and I was like, wait a second, blame the editor. <laughs> yeah, who's <laughs> editing this? I want to talk to him, which caused him to have nightmares of him wrapping a plastic bag around his son's head. Shanna um, continues that Cotton had an article about the Pope opening an exorcism academy. Cotton upset and shaken on how many people that this will actually hurt. It's interesting because, like, the power of the internet and all this other yeah. stuff and all that stuff, but I don't know. This being his decision on him being de um, done with exorcisms. He wants to expose how much of a scam exorcisms are by pretty much being a scammer himself, which is why he agreed to do this documentary, hoping to save one kid from being killed being the true work of God. I mean, he technically did. Yeah. She technically didn't die. Um, he feel, which we know because there's a part two. He fills them in on, on what they're going to do next, allowing the camera crew to be able to film all the behind the scenes of one of the cases that he chooses from an envelope. He uh, chooses the one on top, ripping it open. <laughs> that was his first mistake. Um, 
knowing that um, they were all going to be the same. Cotton opens the letter, um, reading it matter-of-factly about the person dealing with the case of possession. And he's kind of being a dick about it. He was like, kind of skimming through it. He already... He... He states that he already knows what the letter is going to state before even reading it. And right. He's like, yeah. oh, see, that's what I said. You Animals can hurt. Yeah. There you go. Like livestock and all this other stuff. And we see later that he should have read it. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to see this perspective from Connor when he's he's a reverend, right? Not a yeah. pastor. I don't know the difference. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. but, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a part of the Catholic Church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, He's a reverend, and uh, it's really funny how he he kind of sees it as silly when people have these claims of like what uh, these religious experiences people are are um, experiencing. Like he'll he'll belittle it. He'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is all just like in their head." Blah blah. blah. So it's just right. it's really fascinating to see it as him being a reverend and yeah, kind of kind of jokingly like belittling it it's just it's so fascinating to watch but i i just like that i like that concept a lot in this movie right yeah, yeah. It, and and i agree with you by the way the the hierarchy of the catholic church is deacons priests bishops archbishops cardinals and popes um oh so reverend's not no like reverend's not a part of it at all i think that's like like southern baptist maybe oh. um so he's a pastor hmm. I made, I, oh, I she says Reverend. She says Reverend Marcus. Okay. Um, but I wonder if that's what it is. I'm trying to find like a chart, but these charts are bananas. Um, yep, I can't find anything. Whatever. But yeah, <laughs> it's interesting though. Like it's super fascinating to kind of see that aspect yeah. as well. Like, like I just searched the definition of Reverend, and it's just used as a title or form to address members of the clergy. All right. Cool. Sure. There you go. Religion. I don't know what that means. Boom. <laughs> he shows the camera the uh, the letter when he reads th- that their livestock is being slaughtered nightly. He skims through the rest, choosing Ivanwood um, to head to uh, head to next. Cut to them packing up the van, cotton kissing and hugging his family. He puts a Jesus sticker on the back of his van before heading out, waving goodbye to his family. I do like this. I mm. like that you can kind of see uh, not his upbringing, but where he's at now. Because you can see that, okay, he doesn't have much money. Because, like, you see, like, the van he's driving, and you see um, kind of the home he lives in and his home situation with the uh, hospital bills and stuff like that. That's right, yeah. So, like, you got to see all of that. So, so has, you can really which shows see that like he doesn't have money. Yeah, he doesn't have money, but he also tries to provide the best he can. Right. And this is the best method for exactly. him. Because it comes so natural to him. Yeah, and there's right. a drive, and there's context to why he would... Continue, continue pursuing this yeah absolutely right. montage to them driving through towns uh, all over through louisiana cotton mentions that it is it is amazing down in the south that that it feels like nothing else uh, in the country i do love louisiana but i i want to go so bad oh dude yeah, you have never to. been i really want to oh you guys both haven't been oh no, shit man i have to yeah, you got to. Like it is, it is quite the sight. Um, calling it ancient, with some of the uh, plantations standing for hundreds of years. He shares a brief piece of history on why there is a mix of cultures and folklore. Quote: Voodoo, Roman Catholics, Pentecostalism, all these beliefs rubbing up against each other. End quote. While he is speaking, they are passing up broken down and abandoned homes with symbols sprayed on them. 
Cotton continues sharing that there's a lot of illiteracy and that being the perfect breeding ground for demons and evil. They get to a gas station where Cotton changes in the bathroom. He jokes in the mirror that he's going to miss it, thinking that he'll actually become a real estate agent. Um, they are back on, on their way to the residence. Cotton claims that everyone has a demon story around those parts. Iris asks if they have time to stop for that. He pulls into a gas station asking for directions from a woman. She tells him to be careful on Bush Drive, thinking that to be the gates of hell. Cotton is speaking to another man and mentioning that there there was a cult in the area, but he's not sure on the specifics, knowing that the Sweetser farm will be, be able to give him more details. Another woman pumping gas mentions that, uh, that the man who ran the cult was so disturbed that he thought he needed to feed uh, human souls to the devil. Cotton jokingly asks where the UFO landing site is. Uh, she points in the direction on where that is and... He's so amused by that. Yeah. He's like, right. see? You know what's so fascinating in retrospect is that... they're that, all right. Yeah, they're all <laughs> telling truthful all stories telling truth. that we'll learn is actually happening in yep. that area. All of that happened. The literal portal to hell was yeah. there. There is a cult, and there is a person who went fucking crazy and now feeds human souls to the devil. Wow. Because I remember watching this part and be like, yep, there are people straight up like this. Yep. Right. Speak and nonsense. And, and I love how he's like, oh, where was the UFO landing again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. oh, actually, that direction. Yeah. Like, These are a bunch of crazy people, but it's all like exposition. I want to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means it's all true. That means the UFO thing did happen. Exactly. That's in part three. It's still in development. <laughs> oh, it's all connected. Actually, uh, the last exorcism in part two. <laughs> <laughs> Cotton and the crew continue driving down the road. A uh, truck passing them by, them thinking that they can ask him some questions. The truck stops. A teenage boy, Caleb, gets out, coming coming up to them, asking if they're making a movie. Iris answers that they're making a documentary. He comments that he likes he likes documentaries. Cotton buds in, asking for the directions to the sweets at farm. Caleb ignores his question by asking his name. After Cotton introduces himself, he shakes his hand. He asks about the and he asks about the farm again. He continues ignoring his questions, asking for everyone else's names. Iris introduces herself and her cameraman Daniel sharing that the, they're a bit behind schedule Caleb understands Cotton asking once again about the farm he tells him that they are going in the wrong direction giving them directions to go back where they came from he gleefully smiles that he isn't kidding Cotton starting the van Caleb, Caleb walking behind it picking up some dirt clots and started to throw it at the car they make it at the end of the road toward a farmhouse now real quick though about Caleb He's I great. fucking love him as an actor. Yeah. He's such a good, like, bad I have guy. to agree. He is so believable and so intimidating. Yeah. And I'm just like, every time I feel like I would see him, I feel like I would have to fight him. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he seems just like a bad person. He does. Like, and it's, he he's plays probably like the nicest guy. great. Yeah. I hope he and is. I was like, yo, this guy I've looks familiar. Seen him as the villain. Yeah. I've seen it in, in anti viral. He was the villain and get out. He was the villain. And in this, he's the villain. I've only seen him as the villain. And there's some intensity that's behind his characters too. Like I remember yeah. in get out with the dinner scene of him, like, Oh, oh you're a big guy, right? You do MMA or whatever. Yeah. It's very threatening. And he's very threatening in this opening scene with him being like introduced as a character. I'm like, yeah, yeah I, this guy, seems somewhat dangerous. You should drive off. I yeah. don't know. I think we all want to say he seems very threatening in a racist kind of way. Right. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, like he definitely has that look. But like you said, he might totally just be a super sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about the character. The character, yeah, yeah. But I like his character for one reason only, and it's because of this part. And the reason why is because he thinks that he's a real exorcist, right? And he thinks that he's really, truly going to 
exercise his demon. Yeah. yeah. And like, it, I think Caleb 100% knows that she's not possessed. She was just pregnant by this demon. Yeah. And like, I... I genuinely felt like he thought that he was going to do that. And, and once he realized, like, oh, dude, you're a fucking fraud. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude, you're oh, chill. Yeah, good, We're yeah. fine. Dude, why did you say that? Like, <laughs> like I would have let you in a long time ago. Cotton pulls up pulls up in front of the house. Cotton gets getting out of the car to introduce himself to Lewis. Caleb drives up the, dri- the driveway, Cotton telling him to watch out for him. Lewis shares that it's, it's his son, asking what he did. Cotton shares that he has a misunderstanding um, as Caleb aggressively walks past them. He tells his dad that they have cameras as he heads inside his house. Lewis asks about the cameras. Cotton introduces him to the documentary crew. He irritatedly asks uh, for them to turn the cameras off. They agree as we cut to black. The camera comes back on, showing Cotton um, playing with with uh, Lewis on his or not playing, excuse me, praying with <laughs> Lewis on his porch. I was like, wait, playing? playing <laughs> what That's is he weird. doing? <laughs> he he signals an AOK symbol with his hands. Cotton is being shown Lewis Lewis's livestock that they've lost. He wonders if it could have been an alligator. Lewis explains how an alligator eats, explain, explaining that they don't leave straight cuts like like this on his bull. Cotton wonders if Caleb did this, but Lewis is sure that it is his daughter, Nail. Cut to Cotton speaking with just the crew, upset that he didn't read the letter more thoroughly. Mm-mm. Shouldn't have skimmed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that uh, it was Lewis and Nail who was possessed, reminding them that he doesn't like working with kids. Lewis pulls out a bloody dress that was Nail's, claiming this to be from last night. This being a common occurrence every time an animal is slaughtered. Cotton questions her about remembering that. Remembering that. He tells Cotton that he, um, that she, uh, excuse me. He quest- he tells Cotton that she doesn't remember anything. It frightening frightening her so so much to the point where she she where he stops asking her about it. Nell uh, Nell runs up the stairs, introducing herself to Cotton and the crew, and she's like all shy and sweet, and she's like, "Hi, how's Nell. it going?" <laughs> she's got that southern hospitality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She takes she takes him into her room. Cotton asks if she created the art on her wall. She excitedly says that um, that she is that she uh, did while sharing the depiction of Esther of Antioch. But it isn't from the Bible. She claims that it is something that she dreamed of. He admires her work, complimenting how, how, um, how thoughtful it is. She gets embarrassed as they move to sit down for the actual interview. She's she's so cute. She's like, oh, like, okay, <laughs> let's go talk. Yeah. <laughs> Gotten and Nell are sitting across from each other. He asks about how she's feeling, sharing that her dad uh, told him about the livestock. He her smile fades as she assumes that she was the one who killed the animals. He asks if she remembers that, but she doesn't. She doesn't remember anything. Cotton suggesting that she possibly didn't do anything uh, to the animals at all. She cracks a smile uh, from the thought, um, and it's so awesome how innocent she's able to look. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. to it agree. is awesome because that shift for her pinnacle. Like yeah. she carried yeah, this movie. I have to. She agree. carried this movie. Yeah, it's a full one eighty of like Seriously. characters that she dives into, and it's like really cool to look at. It's great, especially from someone who looks very innocent. kind and yeah. innocent and fragile and yep. right. Yeah, yeah. soft spoken, and she gets. Really fucking scary. Yeah, <laughs> scary. <laughs> the crew are sitting with Lewis as he mentions um, that his wife passed from breast cancer. They uh, they thought she was getting better, but within six months, it 
metastasis into her bones, which caused her to die three weeks later. He remain, her remains buried in the backyard of the house. He mentions that this happened while Nell was turning 14. It was difficult for her. Okay, keep that in mind. 14. Nell's 16 now, so this yeah. was two years ago. Keep that in mind. Back with Cotton and Nell, he con- he comments that she uh, looks like her mother. Nell radiates and thanks him, calling it a compliment. He asks if they if they were close. Holding back tears, she comments that she was her best friend. He wonders if Caleb acted any different when when their mom passed. She thinks that she, that he was frustrated, becoming scary and hating God a lot. Um, she and I love the little tidbits there of throwing that in for Caleb and like how his shifts already happened mm-hmm. and that's probably why he's now part of this cult he asks about her about her father about how her father took it she cries that it hit him very hard while playing with his wedding ring lewis mentions that it, that if it weren't for his wife he doesn't believe he would have made it she, uh, since she died he found it important to give his kids a more fun- fundamental christian upbringing commenting that he's not happy about the influences of the world which led to his decision to homeschool now for a while he allowed her to go to Sunday school at the church, but he still had a bad feeling about it. Nell mentions that Pastor Manley didn't teach only religious music, so that was the reason why Lewis pulled her out. Lewis admits that he's been a little too protective, but somehow the devil still got inside of her. Nell is playing hmm. green green leaves as or green green leaves on her recorder as Lewis continues um, that her mother gifted her a small crucifix. Um, but it burns her. They clap as she uh, laughs from her praises, or from their praises. Cut to Cotton and the crew getting the, um, his equipment out of the van. He isn't so sure that Nell is the one killing the animals, commenting about her isolation, equating the burning of the cross being an, a nickel allergy. Which could be possible. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, that, that could be possible. I like when um, possession films do that. They always uh, Denounce need stuff to find by the context. Reality. Exactly, yes. And... Yeah. Uh, it's just fun. This reminded me because we were rewatching this in my household, uh, Haunting of Hill House, yeah. where the brother like wrote about the story and he goes like from place to place and listens to people's like ghost stories. It's like no, it's because there's no stop sign, so that's why you hear the horns. There's a leakage. Right. It wasn't raining that night. It was. It was like he's like debunking everything. Yeah, you know? and it's which is great. like cool to see. Yeah, because yeah. It, it wants it wants to do that before the audience does it. So. It's it's cool to give all those factors and to still be proven wrong. Right? Yes, it's right. exciting. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. He goes up to Caleb, sitting in his truck, asking him why was he throwing rocks at him earlier. Caleb ignores answering, instead asking if he's still going to perform an exorcism. Cotton doesn't know. Caleb is cons- um, concerned about someone dying. Cotton assures him that he, um, he's here to help, and nothing like that will, um, has happened with him prior. Could have been. Could be the first. <laughs> yeah. Caleb scoffs that um, they don't need his help. He reminds Caleb that there's livestock, um, their livestock is being killed off, asking if he knows about anything about that. He calls his dad a superstitious drunk. Cotton asks if he's drunk or superstitious enough to harm his own animals. Caleb shrugs that he doesn't know. Cotton asks if Nell has had any anything to do with it. Caleb doesn't think his sister ha- um, needs any help. Cotton is about to speak, but he cuts him off, threatening him if anything happens to his sister, he will hurt him. Cotton just walks away. And I love that. I love how all of this just kind of goes right back to where our our plan was, where it's just like he really genuinely does not want him to perform this exorcism. And it's yeah. great that you can see that in retrospect, right? Yes. Because you can go throughout the whole film and not really 
catch on to that. Right. Right. He's so, just being protective of his family. It seems yeah. like that. It's at like you're first, the outsiders. Yeah. You, why are you filming this? It's not something to be filmed. Yeah. You see him as a concerned brother or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think Prince and made not, a really good point when he when he when he realizes that Conan's like a phony. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm not tripping. Yeah. He's like, oh shit. He's do like, you're you, really. Do what you want to do? You're really good at what you're doing, but. Yeah. Go for it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Cotton is um Cotton checks on Nell's breathing and heartbeat with the stethoscope. He's asked if she's nervous. She tells him no and he <laughs> he tells her he's like, Great, you can't be. So like <laughs> and she's like, uh, uh, oh, like okay. okay, okay, how do you turn off nerves? Like <laughs> he tries again, checking um checking around her neck, asking if she if she feels pressure. She claims that she does. He writes it down um in his notepad. She excuses this uh, to her throat being sore because of her waking up screaming cotton confirms her her sore throat and nail getting more nervous trying to repeat herself she's like yeah because i was screaming (laughs) (laughs) he stops her suggesting that it is normal he touches the back of her neck reacting with a a whoa having uh lewis (laughs) feel the back of of nail's neck as well caleb is watching as he sits across from them cotton um continuing to ask the questions if she if she's always had an indentation this deep on the back of her neck (laughs) Tell me why I totally made me feel the back of my neck. I'm like, do I, I thought about it. it. Right? Like, I do I got do we all have this? Where, 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 where is it? But it's him just like kind of pulling it up, right? Yeah, yeah. Like pulling shit out of his ass. And he's just yeah. like, yeah, this is the mark of the beast kind of thing. <laughs> Starting to get more anxious, she guesses that it is deeper now. Cotton asks um, Lewis for a pan of water large enough to put her feet in. He tells her uh, to take her shoes and socks off, complimenting her shoes. She gives an innocent thanks, then complimenting Iris's shoes. She takes them off, allowing Nell to try them on. Nell does so, Iris allowing her to have them. She's so excited to keep the boots, but Cotton asks her, he's like, okay, but take them off for now. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, but yeah, take them off. Lewis comes comes in with the pan of water, um, Cotton submerging her feet into the water. He asks for everyone to close their eyes um, so he can pray. Both Nell and Lewis have their eyes closed, but Caleb uh, continues watching Cotton, spotting, spotting that he pulls out something from his pocket and putting it into the water the water starts bubbling as he's praying now stopping him lewis fills the water cotton um asking if this is if this is regular water what we what mean this is regular water yeah. like what the this fuck is not water? what is irregular is this water regular water how dare you <laughs> like like oh no it's not i i got this from uh from sprite bottle <laughs> like, like what he comments that they uh they will proceed um with the exorcism based on the temperature change and I love how Nell is just like losing her fucking mind. She's like, right. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> She's a great actor. She is. She is. Guts of Cotton showing Lewis um, his book of demons, claiming that she's possessed by a demon named Abalom. And that is. Well, he was spot on. That is amazing. That's what how I was going to say. I was like, yo, what the fuck? This Get is what I think here. right here. Now, this is what I think is what's happening um, right here. And I already know we're kind of going long already, but there's a lot of great shit to talk about. <laughs> what I think is happening is I think that is his little tinge of faith that he has left. Oh, yeah, I think that's a good approach oh, to take. Okay. Where I'll give you that. Well, maybe. where it's allowing him to kind of be able to bullshit. Right. But at the same time, I sense also what think, it really is. Exactly. It's an educated guess, right? Because you have to remember right. he's been doing this just, since he was like yeah. a child. Exactly. It's a big ass book. It is. He's like, hey, it's this one. Right. Like he lean he literally like flicks directly to it and he yeah. was just like, This is the one doing it. But you also have to realize like even though like he sees sees this all as a joke, he could still read Latin and all that. Exactly. Yeah. 
even though he bullshit the Latin part. All this <laughs> <time Yeah>. <laughs> but Lewis tries to read Latin, but doesn't understand it. Cotton begins quickly reading it out loud, bullshitting Lewis to believe that he's the most powerful demon in this book. He questions explaining what he does, blaming um, blaming that on the temperature fluctuation, and that he um, defiles the flesh of the innocent, it being particularly bad in young girls. He reads another excerpt, quote, that the possess that the possessed only salvation will come in death. End quote. Lewis questions this. Cotton wanting to perform an exorcism. Cotton is outside getting ready. Caleb coming up to him, calling him a fraud. With a grin, he tells Cotton that he saw what he threw inside. <laughs> he saw that he threw something inside the water, claiming that he won't tell. Cotton plays it off. Caleb shakes his hand, saying that this is this was really good, and um, they don't have any problems now. Hmm. It's funny. He walks off. Cotton watching him as he walks away. Cotton has his things, heading up to Nail's room uh, to set up. He looks around for a moment, placing all of the rigs in the room around. Meanwhile, Lewis is w- uh, with Nail for support in the bathroom. Later that night, the sweeters are sitting around waiting. Cotton opens the door, welcoming them into Nail's room. It's like, it's like he set up like a haunted house. Or yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, come in. he instructs them all to stand in a corner and for nail to go um to go on the bed he tells caleb and lewis um to not intervene um and just to use their faith courage and love he prays over nail asking her questions she frantically uh she starts to frantically answer placing the bible on her head as she continues to cast out the demons there is a growl throughout the room Nell is freaking the fuck out and Cotton continues playing the role. Her bed jostles as she screams and prays. Quick cut to Cotton showing the crew his MP3 player and speakers talking about how important the sound is. You got an MP3 player, but you don't got a cell phone? Exactly. Uh, I mean, think about it, actually. 2010. 2010. Yeah, but I feel like people had MP3 players before they had phones until their oh, phones yeah, became yeah. MP3 players. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. But 2010, we're four iPhones in. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. That's true. Like, we're four iPhones in at this but point. But we see, like, he lives a simple life. He doesn't he have does, that. He does, but Irene and Daniel don't got cell phones either. No, they got expensive cameras. Exactly. What so, like, what, what you mean? You can afford a new lens. After, I, <laughs> but you can't. Yeah, but they can't afford a phone after they buy those lens. I love the cuts of going from the exorcism. Oh, to, this was great. Yeah, him this demonstrating his his tools of trickery. Yeah, I, I hate agree. it because now it's not found footage. I'm scared. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> I mean it's technically mockumentary, right? Yeah, like yeah, I mean I'm technically kidding, kidding. it's it's not a, a true found footage, but. Right. I don't know. Found footage has that problem it where it, if you it, overthink, if you start exactly. thinking about it, then you'll find the. Unless it's a right. movie where it's like it's from beginning to end, right. recording yeah. exactly. Because I mean, the same thing could be said about every found footage movie, right? Hundred percent. So, yeah, it's, it's unless just, there's a survivor, right? Yeah. So maybe uh, what was it the what was the grandma one with the two kids? The visit. The visit. Mm-hmm. That's the only one where it's like, yeah, they could have edited it afterwards. Well, why, why we would they edit them, it in that way? We saw them editing it throughout, throughout the movie, the movie which is too. very smart. And that's super smart. Yeah. That is the smartest thing that that movie did other than that the movie sucks. Um, and how he has <laughs> over 800 demons sounds um, to play at any given time. Where'd you get all these sounds from? <laughs> it's him in the bathroom. <laughs> Back with the nails screaming as Cotton puts on his rings, kissing them as he continues his godly spiel. N- uh, nail screams that there um uh there is 
excuse me, Nell screams that he's there as her bed continues shaking. He repeatedly asks if Christ can heal her. She finally answers as he touches the base of her skull. She rises as he tells her to say that she loves Rise. Jesus. You're shocking her. Yeah. Just like, so say you up. love Jesus. She's <laughs> Cut. So this temple battery. Yeah, so come be- on. Before that, that cut to the voltage, um, showing the voltage coming from the ring, I was like, damn, she's really believing this is happening, huh? Another quick note to the two 9-volt batteries that is attached to the rings to shock Nell. He continues holding his hands to her temples, shouting for her to believe. She screams as Cotton continues the antics to shout for the demons to get out. And I like at this point in time, Caleb is starting to get like nervous, like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> like, we how see did a you peak. do this? You see a peak of him and he's like just wide-eyed. Like, yeah, he's oh, like, what? He's, and he's not like, it's like more so he's impressed. Yeah. He's just like, how did you like, do well, this? Good like, job, this man. is fucking nuts. <laughs> he plays it off um, that he he can't do it, dropping the crucifix on the ground. <laughs> now, I would say if you guys do want to see more of stuff like this, check out a show on HBO Max called Los Espookas. Oh, Bella and I just started that show. <laughs> it's, so it's so good. good. But it's literally this. Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, we saw the first episode, too. Uh, maybe the second, too. But we, we've been... Are you in the house it. yet? No. Okay, so that's 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 when that show gets fucking phenomenal. Right, yeah, that's so funny that you bring it up. Yeah, that <laughs> show great. is great. It's great. It's a great show. Um, Lewis crying that he has to. Um, Nell continues screaming. Cotton kneels next to the bed asking for God to take him and take the demon um, from Nell. One last guttural scream from the demon. Cotton seizes on the floor holding the crucifix. He praises God that the demon is gone as we c- get a clip of him putting a putting in a chemical to allow the crucifix to produce smoke. <laughs> I love that. Genius. Lewis checks on Nell, sobbing as he hugs her. Cotton is is counting the cut to cotton counting the money, <laughs> asking Lewis um how Nell is doing. And what I love cut. how Lewis is just like, is it all there? It's like I don't no need to count, to count it. He's yeah. <laughs> just like still counting it. He claims that she's sleeping like a child while asking if the money is all there. Cotton smiles that there's no reason to count it. Lewis hugs and thanks him. Cotton looking up up to the ceiling, asking, um, what? Um, Lewis thinks that he's speaking with him, but Cotton continues asking for understanding. He shares that the Lord has a prophecy for him, saying that he knows his pain, knowing that he's sad that his wife is gone, but to rejoice, for she uh, she is with him. He continues spouting as Lewis um, continues feeding off of it, telling him not to drink anymore and accept love instead. Good, yeah. good on him though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you just like one last, one last effort. Yeah, this guy. it's very gray, like we brought up. But I think it's overall for the best. Yeah, like he's obviously trying to do it from a good place on yeah. this part. The intent is good. The the first part was like, I felt like it was definitely a little over the top. <laughs> yeah. But um, this well, for sure was one hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I've never seen it. Actually. But <laughs> that's the um, big thing is like seeing him go through all of that effort and seeing what he actually does. But if she feels good at the end, is it okay for him to do that? Right. It's the whole morality thing. Yeah. I mean, and I still say no. I think so. Yeah. yeah that's like I up. still say it's not his place to. Do that. Do this. <laughs> or shock someone. Especially if <laughs> like you physically like, cause this person pain. <laughs> but she feel better now? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's like, like 
it would just been better off if we to put the rings on just start punching her in the face. Like <laughs> I think like there's always like that joke. It's like oh your left arm hurts. Like they hit you in the right and arm. It's like right. now that one hurts more. So your left one's better, right? <laughs> like oh uh, sure. Yeah. Context. Cut to the crew in the car. Iris impressed by Cotton's work as he takes a message from our sponsor. And we're back. Lewis and Caleb are on the porch. Cotton telling him that um, it is his job to keep the devil out of the house. Lewis says that he will do he will do that, offering them to stay there with them tonight. Cotton gives his thanks, but mentions that they are going to find a motel up the road. Cotton is on his phone with his son, Justin mentioning um uh, mentioning that his mom was crying. He tells him to go brush his teeth so he can um, speak with her. On the phone with Shanna, he asks why was she crying. He tells her um, that they're they're paid up on it, on that, and knowing that Justin needs a new hearing aid. He asks um, who Cassandra is. I'm still curious. Who's Cassandra? Yeah. We random. never revisited that, and we just cut. Mm. Like, he was like, who's Cassandra? And then we cut. Very interesting. Like, it was... I'm very curious on who Cassandra was. Her, like, I don't know. We'll find out in part two. Maybe. I hear no. it, it, all of what happened here doesn't doesn't pick up. Aww. But part two follows Nell, like her experience of being this woman trying to find her faith again in some different city. Oh damn! Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Watch the trailer. The trailer is is actually pretty interesting. Okay. It doesn't look good, but it's exactly what Freddie wanted. <laughs> I don't know if I th- yeah, maybe. <laughs> but we cut to Cotton in the bathroom telling the crew that he used to uh, want to be a TV minister. minister. Um, now all he wants is health care. I mean, don't we all? Yeah, I felt true. this on uh, such a uh, personal yeah, level, same. too. Like, in 2010, I did not have health insurance. and I, was, I didn't either, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I think I didn't have health insurance until Obamacare came out. Yeah, I think Damn, I'm in the same yeah. boat. And, like... Cause, cause you you weren't adopted, no, right? Okay, but, um, yeah, like, I since I was technically in the foster care system, I couldn't get health insurance, um, after I was age eighteen. So once I was, they call it emancipated, uh, but once I was emancipated, yeah, at, at age eighteen, literally everything was gone. Damn, everything was gone. Like I got something that was just like. Go to your last dentist appointment. <laughs> oh, like, oh my god! <laughs> Did I go? No. <laughs> I hate the dentist. Uh, the crew all give their give their good nights before leaving Cotton in his motel room. A recent Daniel run back to Cotton's room. Nell sitting on his bed. This was actually fucking scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. super creepy. Her there and the way she was acting. Yeah, yeah, like this was actually scary. I agree. Like I was actually lightweight. Like. I don't like that. <laughs> Interesting. If how it kept did this, this tone, yeah, for the rest of the movie, I would have loved that. I agree. But how sure. did? Absolutely. How did she get there? She <laughs> ran. <laughs> she floated. Because um, you can see that they drive for a while to get to this farmhouse yeah. too. And they said it was five miles away yep. from the farmhouse. Yeah. So we get context of the distance. I genuinely think she just walked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the average pace late. at twenty minutes per mile. You know, she'd get there about an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> math, math, <laughs> math, more like meth. Um, oh, they try speaking, <laughs> speaking to her, but she's unresponsive. Iris asking where her, um, where's her dad, but Cotton doesn't know. He just woke. He uh, just woke up, and she was standing there. My the better question is, how does she get inside? Yeah, that's what I know exactly where he is. Because it seems like she isn't possessed, but she has 
possession characteristics. Or like I mean, a possessed baby. What like, is a possession? Know, it's something that's an entity that's inside your own body that's controlling you. Oh, yeah, you. I guess she it does, does do have she something inside her, yeah. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Although so it's like a pregnancy... So you're, so you're saying my, my wife was possessed when we had baby. our baby. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying brain. is... <laughs> she tells the animal to stay back. He heads, he heads outside, filming through the window as Iris and Cotton give her some water. They are trying to speak with her, Cotton phoning Lewis. She tries um, grabbing Nell's hand, but Nell tries to take... Uh, take off her clothes this was interesting um staring seductively at the camera while she's kissing and licking iris's um shoulder very uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable especially knowing that she's 16 yeah yeah like that's weird cotton suggests um to get her to a hospital nell starts throwing up before they leave cotton carries her down the stairs into his van cotton mentions um that he's seen people react but not 10 hours after 10 hours in his hotel room he adds that uh the farm is five miles away from the hotel asking how she know where where he was staying they make it to the hospital the nurse forcing daniel to turn the camera off the crew was uh why did he take so long to turn the camera off like Nothing amazing was happening. Yeah. Right. Like, maybe he just was one of these guys who's just like, I want to document everything. And I think that's usually the approach we see with these films yeah. when they're told to turn off the camera. Right. Just like... Because you never know. Right. Anything could happen, lady. Yeah. I'm a record. <laughs> <laughs> the crew are, um, are sitting and waiting. Cotton and Iris are, are called... B- are called up by the nurse. She asks if the camera is turned off to uh, discuss Nell's blood test, mentioning that everything seems to be normal and they will allow her to uh, to rest for now. He asks if they can run a psychiatric test, but they need the parents' permission to do that. It's interesting that she says everything seems normal and not mention that she was pregnant. Right. Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah. Like, that was interesting because you definitely can check if someone's pregnant by their blood. But And she's 16. And she's 16. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Lewis finally makes it to the hospital. He demands to see Nell, then moves to arguing with Cotton, not calling him after he witnessed the events uh, with Nell. Cotton shares that he did call him, but nobody answers. He's like, yeah, Lewis, where were you? <laughs> what were you doing? Were you slaughtering your bulls, Lewis? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, he tells Lewis that she, I just realized that I, that was really close to balls, but I was not trying. <laughs> <laughs> he tells Lewis that she uh, needs a professional to, uh, to take a look at her. The nurse um, hands him a release form, but he makes sure that it isn't a form to run a, more tests. Cotton still asks for a psychiatric test, but Lewis is adamant on not having her take one. Cotton tries to convince him as Nell comes into the waiting room. They check in on her, Cotton asking if she remembers being at his motel. She claims that she thinks so. The nurse asking if Lewis uh, would like to speak with the, with the doctor, but he doesn't. And I was very upset that they kept calling it a hotel. Mm. That very much was not a hotel. Yeah, that's true. That was like a Motel 6. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> um, cut to the crew following Lewis back to his farm. Yelling, Lewis is trying to figure out what happened. Cotton uh, Cotton makes up that he believes the demon is gone. Using the analogy of um, of her house being vandalized, the robber being gone, but, they, um, but um, someone else needs to put things right again. And I, and I like that analogy. Yeah. Because definitely. he's like really trying to convince Lewis like, Dude, I'm not the person you need anymore. Like your daughter needs mental Actual help. help now. Yeah. Like I like I think the demon is no longer there. I did my part. Now do your part as a father. 
and yeah. take your daughter to get some medical, um, some mental help. Um, Lewis doesn't doesn't want doctors involved, shouting that his wife couldn't be saved by eight of them. Okay, well, generalization right there. Mm-hmm. Your wife couldn't be saved by eight doctors. Therefore, I'm not going to the doctor ever again. Yeah, that's foolish. Pitting <laughs> pitting off the um the psych. Excuse me. Pinning off that psychiatry is not of God, but Cotton tries to convince him otherwise. Lewis cuts him off, quoting two Corinthians. Um, quote, our weapons are of war, um, are not carnal. They are mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, end quote. Cotton is silent as Lewis looks for validation. Cotton agrees from defeat. While the crew are headed are headed back to the van, Cotton knows that Lewis won't listen to him and they should um, get someone local. They are driving down to the local church. Inside, they meet with Becky. Cotton introducing himself and asking for Pastor Manley. She t- uh, takes him to the back to uh, meet Manley. I love her. She's super yeah, she's like, super she's funny. so funny, dude. Making a movie. Oh, you guys rolling right now? Okay. <laughs> she keeps on looking back yeah. at the camera. It's like, okay. She's okay. like, she's like, am I gonna be in it? He's like, I think you are. <laughs> and she's like, oh wow. <laughs> a nice little back and forth between the two characters. Yeah. It's kind of cool. She's funny. Very wholesome. He introduces himself to Manly. Then they start talking about Nell not being well and him um wanting to speak with Lewis. Manly shares his history with Lewis and how. She, how he was quite hostile about pulling Nell out of their Sunday school, feeling that her curriculum was uh, sufficient, sufficiently medieval. Cotton asked if um, Cotton asked if he was threatened, but he wasn't. Manly still thinking that he is the last person that Lewis will listen to. This was about two and a half years ago. Cotton shocked that they haven't been to church in that long. Remember when I told you to keep that date in your head? Yeah. Okay. So. Two years ago, her mom died. Mm-hmm. So two years ago, she was pulled out of this church. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Let's keep these dates in our heads here. Mm-hmm. Manley continues that he heard about Nell being homeschooled, but he knows that um, that when she was she was there, she was vibrant and happy. Him not thinking that her being cut off was the best thing. Cotton asks if he would be willing to come to the farm with him. Manly only agrees if Lewis agrees beforehand, adding that he is uh, he has a, psychi- a psychiatric friend, um, head of the department in Baton Rouge. Cotton agrees with this and heads back to the farm. When they arrive to the farm, Nell is arguing and running away from Lewis. He chases and grabs her, pulling her back towards the house. He shouts that she is fine, demanding that they um, they turn the camera off. Nell is sobbing that she just cut her brother. They go inside the house. Caleb slouched over the sink, face gasped, while he holds his holds a towel over his face. Fuck. Yeah, he's yeah, fucked up. Brutal. He yeah, this looks great. This pushed yeah. the uh, PG thirteen rating a little bit. This, uh, no, I felt like this was like, on par. Yeah, because we, like, we you know we didn't we didn't see it happen. Yeah, but we you just see saw the gash. That happen, yeah, you see harsh. the gash. Yeah. Like I and I think I think that's what all of it went to. Like I mean, I think that fits yeah. the limit, right? Like, cool, can't go. Past I would that. have loved for this movie to just push harder, though. Yeah, like, time. like I think it should have been rated R. I feel from the ho- the motel room, it should have kept that tone and pushed further into like the paranormal demon possession movie. And he's like, like, oh I shit, like it, this is real. I felt like it did keep that tone for for me at least. Like I felt like not that, with this character, to be honest, not with Cotton or with not Cotton, with- yeah. Well, I felt like he started getting serious at this point. Kind you, of. Really? Yeah, in my opinion. Oh. I it it doesn't feel like it's joking anymore. No, I think it got to the point where it's like she needs help now. Right. Rather than like 
this is a real possession movie. Oh, you wanted him to grab his faith sooner. I think so. Okay. I, I think I wanted mean. more of like the scary stuff to happen. Right. Which is great as a character. It's like, yes, your morals are saying like this girl actually really does need help. She needs to find like a professional. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's great for the character. But it's just like, that's not the direction I want. Have you seen The Exorcist? Yes. Okay. Recently, this year, for the first time. Oh, good for you. Oh, yeah. So you know how The Exorcist was first broken down? Two parts, right? Yes. It starts with the medical first and then goes into the possession. Right. You wanted more of the possession. last half of The Exorcist. Yes. For this movie. Yeah. Got it. They quickly check on him, Cotton handing him a notepad and, and uh, pen to write down what happened. Cotton notices the knife and trail of blood going through the sink. He quickly writes on a notepad, Lewis um, calling to him. Cotton takes it, ripping the note and folding it into into his pocket as Lewis enters the room. Lewis explains that Caleb was trying to calm Nell down, and she attacked him with a knife. Lewis comments that he um, has to get him to a hospital, asking for Cotton to take him. I'm like, oh, son, you take him. What the fuck? <laughs> Cotton suggests that Lewis takes him um, because this dude threw rocks at me. Uh, Lewis uh, takes him because the demon could uh, come back, and he needs to be there. Lewis agrees, putting Caleb in his truck. Cotton shows the crew uh, what Caleb wrote on the note. Quote, don't leave her alone with him. Now, when it comes to that note, do you think he's concerned about his sister's safety or her or his father's safety? Neither. Neither. Oh. I think he's like, he's getting too close to this situation where I don't need my dad to be involved in this anymore. Oh, I don't even think that. I think it's the fact that her dad technically is the real person who could save her. Oh. Because he's the only one there who actually has faith. Yeah. Besides mm. Dale. And I think I think that was one of the reasons why they yeah, kept pushing him away. To like not intervene anymore. Just yeah. Like get him out. Yeah. So you feel like Nell still has faith? I think Nell still has faith. So do you you don't think she's actually in on the cult? No. No, not at all. No. Interesting. I think Nell's just yeah, just a how was she targeted then? Is it because of Caleb? No. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess it's because of the, the the reverend or the. It was priest. a party. Yeah. The yeah. Pastor Manley. That's right. Hosting that's right. a party for sixteen year olds. Yeah. Choosing his victim. She was the one that's who right. was vulnerable. Her yeah. mom died. Yeah. So <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, Cotton claiming that um, that being the reason why he sta- he wanted to stay. The crew go uh, goes upstairs, knocking on Nell's door, asking if she can come in or asking if they can come in. He her room is locked from the outside. The crew entering into in entering the room, checking on Nell, sobbing on her bed. She's chained up to the post, and they all dip to the shed to help help find um, something to get her out. They use a handsaw to saw the chain. Nail sobbing at um that she's bad and her dad will be mad that she's not chained up. Calmed, calmed down uh, and out of her restraints, she shares that she remembers screaming and she woke, uh, she woke up with his face being cut. He asks if Caleb, um, if she, he asks if Caleb frightens her, but she tells him no. Cotton um asks if her dad has ever hurt her. She's silent for a moment before commenting that he hasn't. And he's tr- and he's not truly com- he's not truly convinced, letting her know that she can tell him, but she repeats it. He suggests that she gets back to back in bed. Cut to Daniel filming at all the re- uh, religious paraphernalia while they are walking around walking while they are waiting for Lewis to come back. They hear a baby crying upstairs. They rush upstairs. Nell is standing in the darkness of the hallway. The crying stops. This is fucking awesome. It is. Mm. This I, is great. I get confused though at this point. Is she possessed? I don't know. I think she is. 
But I also think there's a part of her that's fighting it. And because it's like a fetus that's inside of her, she's kind of trying to drown out the baby herself too. Yeah. Like this is an unknown thing inside me. That's how I see it. I wanted to get out. Yeah. So it's both of her like losing her consciousness of body and being possessed Mm -hmm. and also fighting it as well. So what does she do? Grab the doll and like try to drown it. Right. Interesting. That's a really good take. Iris wonders if she is sleepwalking. Cotton calls out to her. She continues looking at them, slowly approaching them. Then she swiftly moves into a room. They quickly follow her. Nail continuing to move into the bathroom where she proceeds to mimic baby cries while actioning the drowning of a doll. They frantically stop her, Nail snapping out of it and screaming. They help her back in, into her room, Cotton placing a blanket on top of her, commenting that she looks better. He sees a drawing of, of a dead cat with depictions of blood on it. He asks if she drew that. She claims that she she didn't. Iris goes over her sound recording of, of them in the bathroom. Nell is whispering in Latin. He, she, turns it, she turns it up so they can hear, Cotton intrigued on how she knows Latin. Iris thinking that Lewis uh, could have taught her, but he reminds them that he doesn't know it. She skips to the baby noises, turning it up, and they all get startled when she screams in the audio. <laughs> Cotton is watching his face, the phone ringing downstairs. He goes downstairs asking Iris what's going on. On the answering, on the answering machine, a doctor doctor is giving instructions for Nell's meds. She plays the message over. The doctor mentioning for Nell to not take um, hal- um, Halcyon uh, because they uh, don't. They didn't know she was pregnant. Cut to Iris. Um, cut to Iris thinking that this this to be the explanation of Nell's trauma. Cotton mentions that they don't know for sure. He just mentioned that she was pregnant. She believes that they are dealing with incest. Um, he tells her um, not to. St- not to uh he tells her not to say that type of thing down there and people take it real serious just like take it serious everywhere yeah right like where 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 do people not take this serious cotton why aren't you taking this serious cotton (laughs) um but she believes she believes it to be um obvious he wait he he wants to wait for Lewis so he can speak to, speak with him first, but Iris wants to take her and leave. He tells her that 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 they can't because that's kidnapping. And quick trigger warning, everybody! Quick trigger warning. Skip about ten seconds or so, so you don't have to hear this next part. She mocks his exorcisms while Lewis is possibly raping her. Cotton asks if they can take a break. Daniel suggesting that they all should just take a nap for about an hour and then wake up. But the camera cuts back on with Nell walking with it, breathing heavily. It cuts off and on again to her um, pulling her face in the mirror until her until she cracks her neck. This is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is great. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what I think you wanted, Freddie, throughout Mm -hmm. the entirety. And I love these moments. The all of the scares in this movie work very well. They hit. Yeah, they hit. And then they take the t- intensity away soon after, which I'm like, no, keep going. Yeah, yeah, it should it should it should be a, a linear path of progression, right? Getting more and more intense. It's right. like they are pulling a slingshot, but they're not letting it go. They're no. just kind of pulling it back. Yeah, and yeah. Exactly. They pull it again, then they pull it back. And yeah. we'll talk about like this next scene, which works very well too, and the barn scene. Yes, but there's moments where it's like it just ends, and you're just like, mm, yeah, okay, like. I would have loved for us to get context of them seeing it. Right. And us seeing seeing her do that. But 
Or yeah. like it could be even later on. They just relook at their footage and they're like, "What that's, the that's fuck what I mean. is this?" Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I would have loved for something like that, um, but they don't have two cameras because they can't afford cell phones. Uh, <laughs> she takes off her clothes, grabbing the camera again, cutting it off and on again. She takes the camera into the barn. A cat mm-hmm. is curled up and scared in a corner. She approaches it and savagely beats it into a bloody mess with the camera. My God! But why? Because, because that's what the painting did. she sneaks in uh, crimson on the lens Um, she heads back inside the house she sneaks into the room where Cotton is asleep on the couch slowly approaching him and with shuttered breath she clicks her tongue Iris calls out to her startling Cotton awake and snapping nail out of it they calm her down Iris suggesting to get get some clothes back on her quick question where did you guys watch this movie in my bedroom yeah. Nice. Is that your question? No. <laughs> like, uh, on what service? Oh, I rented Amazon it. Amazon Prime. From Apple. Amazon Prime. Apple? Okay. Yeah. It was free on YouTube. It was. What? <laughs> it's free yeah. on YouTube and it was on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I, well, it. I went to Amazon Prime and said I needed a subscription. I think that was a YouTube subscription. For a YouTube Premium? Baby. Do you no, have YouTube Premium? YouTube no. free. Yeah. It was just free on YouTube. Fuck. And this was just on Amazon Prime, too, for me. I just pressed play and it's like, okay, cool. You might have already had the service that it subs- that it was subscribed to then, because hmm. it said he needed to subscribe to a service. I'm just bummed if that was. Sorry, okay. no, it's all. I good. meant to say that, <laughs> like I meant to text that, and then I thought I texted it, and then I realized right now in this moment, I was like, wait a second, did these guys pay for this? <laughs> I definitely did. Let me. At least you watched it in your room. Cut to Iris <laughs> and Daniel removing the cracked uh, cracked and bloody lens, checking cool it. Shot. Cotton called uh, in that moment. Check footage. Cotton calls right. uh, them them into the room with the cat picture and a couple of others tackled on the wall, um, tacked on the wall. One of one of Cotton walking to a pit of fire. Another with all of them dead in horrific ways. Sorry. <laughs> no, I realized what happened. Oh really? On my Apple TV, it was uh, set to Bella's profile. And I was like, man, it says I, I need a sub for to watch this on Prime. And I switched to my account when I was renting it. And I was like, what if? Because I remember talking about her Prime not going through and she had to renew it. I'm like, pretty sure she did. Checked on my phone. I could watch it on Prime. So I rented it for no reason. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Daniel is sitting down with with Cotton, letting him know that he's not comfortable being in that in the house in that house because of Nell. I don't blame him. Yeah. Cotton tells him to relax and that um she, it's just someone who used their imagination. He was like, Nah, dude. I looked at the fucking footage. She killed a cat. You didn't look at this footage, Cotton. Um. Who names her child Cotton? I thought of the film The Taking of Deborah Logan and how that one guy just uh, dips in the middle yeah. of the movie. I'm like. Every camera guy should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel makes a, a good point about, but I mean, technically, uh, Cotton drove. Yeah, I mean. I would have took those keys, though. It's 2010. Yeah, call a taxi. Yeah. I mean, something. <laughs> I mean, is there a taxi in the backwater Shit. country? It's only five miles away from the motel. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. She did it. I would you would have made it. An hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> I would walk. Yeah. That, even walking pace at 20 minutes per hour. One hour and 40 minutes. If you're jogging, that's 15 minutes. My guy uses that Apple Watch to the T. <laughs> Daniel makes a, g- a good point about her killing killing those animals and cutting her brother. Cotton jokes about her having the ability to, of cutting Daniel's head off. Um, Daniel, or excuse me, but he is still not convinced since, since um, 
they've been they've seen her be violent before iris buds in that there are they that they're just drawings chalking it up to them being in the in her house cotton reminds reminds him that she's just 16 and they can overpower her <laughs> daniel calls her a psychopath that being different than just an average 16 year old girl cotton agrees that she's psychotic but doesn't believe she's capable of chopping off his head iris tells him that um uh, tells them to keep things into perspective since they're there to help her and I would have been like, if I were Daniel, I'd be like, I didn't sign up to help nobody. Exactly. Like, I'm recording. I thought the exact like, same thing. Like, what do you mean? I, if y'all want to help her, great. Here's the camera. <laughs> I'll be at the motel. Yep. Like, <laughs> Nell is sitting on the bed looking at the camera. Cotton closes the door, locking locking herself in, locking her inside. I love that touch, though. I love how he doesn't trust her still. Like, even yeah. like a little bit. He's just like. Uh, but I still kind of don't trust him. He's starting to believe too. Right. They go back to wait for Lewis to show up. Daniel um, getting some shots outside, peering into Nell's room from outside. Inside the house, a, a man is speaking with uh, with Nell inside her, her locked room. Nell commenting that, quote, he's a liar and I'm going to kill them both. End quote. Daniel moves closer to the door. Cotton coming coming into the door into the hallway asking if they hear that. Daniel mentioning that it sounds like two people. Cotton puts his ear to the door before opening the room. Nell still sitting on her bed, looking at them. He asks who she was bluntly who she was talking to. She bluntly says, "No one." He looks around the room for a moment. She looks into the camera, flashing a smirk before Cotton closes the door and locks it again. I saw it coming, but I appreciated it. It's it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It was definitely warranted. I was just like, yeah, it was. Ooh, I love it. This is the right amount of chills down your spine. <laughs> Daniel swears that th- that there were two people in there. They are interrupted by Lewis coming back home. They play the voicemail on the Astro machine for Lewis. He claims that the book was right. Cotton doesn't understand. Lewis explaining that the demon defiled his daughter. He claims that his daughter is a 16-year-old virgin, reiterating that the book, re, re, blah, reiterating what the book said. Cotton doesn't believe that the book has any bearing on this, and he believes that this is something more earthly. Lewis wants him to perform another exorcism, but Cotton is, isn't going to. He begins to cry to Cotton, asking for his help. Cotton tries to speak up, but that he doesn't believe that this is uh, no longer demonic, but Lewis b- continues persisting. Cotton suggests that she needs a doctor, understanding that this may be hard to hear, asking if they if they are all concerned with Nell's well-being. Lewis is quiet for a moment as Cotton tries to get an accepting answer. He bluntly mentions that he will save his daughter's soul if Cotton can't. Cotton doesn't understand. Lewis demanding them to leave off his property in the next five minutes. I mean, my dude meant business. It's intense. Yeah, that was intense. It's like, super scenarios. intense. Like, Lewis is also a really good fucking actor too. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen like his world eyes tear up and stuff. Oh, that's where he's from. Yeah, that's where he's from. Yeah, (laughs) great in that. He plays the dad. He's the dad of Westworld. Oh shit! Yeah, (laughs) he goes outside to pray pray on his wife's gravestone. They watch from outside the window. Iris asks, "What what should they do?" Cotton afraid that he's going to hurt Nell. Daniel butting in that uh, Lewis is going to kill her because Cotton told him the death is the only salvation. Yeah, Cotton, this is all your fault. But he low-key spot on because he picked the right demon. It's really interesting how much uh, Lewis uh, latches on to what Cotton had told him. But now that Cotton's giving him more information, he chooses not to believe that. Exactly. Yes. Cotton agrees that he thinks Iris is right and they should uh, just take her and leave. You know, it's actually really interesting you said that Hmm. because that is literally what happened now. Like what's happening now in the world, yeah, or not in the world in the U.S., mm-hmm. where people are so divided, 
taking these one things that some people have said that they truly believe in yep. and when they give them the facts in the opposite they don't want to believe that shit exactly so it's literally what's happening right now mm-hmm. so it's just it's it's an interesting syndrome that has happened here totally cotton agrees that he thinks iris is is right and they should just take her and leave lewis continues praying outside as as the light shut off inside inside the house there's rummaging upstairs daniel turns his light his light on nell lets out an outrageous scream they all run upstairs to check on her then try to go inside her room but it's locked cotton runs to get the key banging and screaming on the other side of the door while nell's uh, recorder is being played each note squeaking as she slammed into the door oh my god very interesting it's so interesting and it's so violent it is and to be completely honest yeah i think this is the part where she was pregnant where she was impregnant i have to agree with you like this (laughs) felt like a rape scene yeah this this didn't feel like it i don't know i don't know I, i i genuinely don't know but this felt like a rape scene yeah, because I, of the way it was going on and the the things that were happening with the recorder and things like the that. The recorder thing was very interesting to me. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I just think it was just to link it back to Nell yeah. and to make it scary. Yeah, but I don't know. It's I, a, I'm not sure what man, this scene entails. There's this film I saw a long time ago. It's an exorcism film where uh, the context of this scene is happening in that this other film that I'm talking about. I wish I remembered the title, but it was like, I've watched it like 10 years ago on Netflix mm-hmm. um, where a similar scene is happening, but you're in the room seeing it happen. Mm. It's gnarly. Um, the only other movie I can think of is I'm blanking on the name, but it's from the eighties. It's not that old. Is no, it? it's like a late two thousands, early 2010s film. Mm. Huh. Scary movie two has a scene like that. <laughs> that's actually really funny I'll try to see if I can find it it's God. Wednesday wait it's Friday on the calendar Gun comes back um, unlocking the door and opening the room her room disheveled as they all look around and notice the window open they hear chains r- um, rattle above them Nell sitting on the top of the dresser staring in the, at the camera so Cotton cautiously helps her off the dresser telling her that they're going to leave together she slices Cotton's hand and with a knife and he's exp- um, as he's explaining and she runs out of the room th- moving down to the ground crawling and growling at the camera as she runs down the hall that's great yeah I love that scene they all chase after her and um, after her yelling for her to stop she uh, ran uh, she ran off and they c- can no longer find her. They cautiously search around for her as Cotton calls out to her. Counting to move around the eerie farmhouse, they notice Nell outside the kitchen window with her arms stretched out. She slowly walks away, continuing to stare at them. They head outside. Nell, uh, no- Nell nowhere to be found. Checking around the shed area, Cotton comments that the lights are on and Lewis is there. He recommends that they go back to the hotel and call the cops from there. Iris calls out to uh, to Cotton when they see Nell sitting on the porch steps. She pleads for them to go. Uh, she pleads for them to go as he approaches Nell. He calls for Daniel to he calls for Daniel to come with him as Nell is sobbing in, on the on the steps as Nell is sobbing on the steps with her hands up. He whispers for Cotton, but uh, but they continue approaching her. She jumps on Daniel and, and wrestles with Cotton as Daniel calls for Iris. He bends her down, picking picking her up and taking her into the house as Lewis shoots at them. 
Nell continuing to reach, uh, reach, scream, and grab for the camera as they rush inside. Iris locks uh, locks Lewis out of the house. He unlocks it, coming inside to uh, put matters into his own hands. Lewis screams for them to let her let her go as Daniel watches from around the corner. Cotton tries to reason with him that he doesn't want to kill her. Nell growling for him to shoot her. Cotton agrees that he he was wrong and Lewis was right, willing to do another exorcism. Interesting. Yeah. Did you find it? No, I'm still looking. All right. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I really want to remember. Cut to Cotton speaking on the reasons why he agreed to do this do this documentary in the first place, feeling like he's going to get Nell killed. He asks Iris um, what should he... Uh, what she would would have done, she doesn't know. Calling it a no-win situation, but wonders what a second exorcism could possibly accomplish. Cotton is outside in the rain, praying and and placing his crucifix behind his back. This is when we're starting to see him now regain his faith. Yeah, right. They they head inside the barn, a nail on the ground. He throws the Bible on the ground. Daniel panning the room, stopping on Lewis holding his twelve gauge. Um, Cotton kneels down gently, telling Nell that uh, that he didn't get the demon out, blaming himself. He asks he asks her if she could try one more time. She cries that she doesn't have control over what happens to her, and that it just happens involuntarily. He tries encouraging her to give it another shot. She cries that she uh, really wanted to get better last time. He comments that she that he failed her last time, promising her that he won't this time around, thinking that she can do it if she just lets go and allow herself. Nell is sweating and shaking um, Nell is sweating, shaky breaths as Cotton is kneeled by her head. He calls out to her, asking if she can hear him. She stutters that she can, letting him know that she feels uh, that she feels like she's falling and it's getting hard to see him. He acknowledges. She grabs his hand. He assures her that she's not going that he's not going anywhere. She looks into the corner, asking what's or noticing that something is coming towards her. He tells her that nothing is there continuing to let her know that he's right there. She pleads for help as something continues coming near her, Cotton believing this to be good and to allow her to co- allow it to come. She frantically pulls her skin, sobbing for him to get it out of her skin. As she grunts, her neck cracks, causing Cotton to get up and everyone else in disgust and surprise. This Fuck. is yeah. intense and Gnarly. This is why you watch this movie. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes, it is. I remember being upset with the scene because it's in the trailer, but oh, oh, I hate that. yeah, <laughs> but it it still has a very profound effect on you because it looks unnatural. Yeah, and this 100%. is her; she's actually doing yeah, this. This is all intense. practical. Like it's nuts. Cotton and Lewis calls out to her. Nell gasping and choking until she is on her knees. Cotton asks if she can hear him. Without looking up, she speaks to him in a calm voice, commenting that she hears um, that she hears that he doesn't believe in her. And I like how she's talking. Yeah, like so calm. I heard you don't believe in me. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like yo, bitch, so get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I just saw what you did with your neck. You're, now you're like all calm and stuff, but you're like not soft spoken anymore. Yeah. It's nuts. Oh, I lost my spot. Found it. He asks who she is. She clicks her teeth, calling herself Abalam. Yeah. He asks where Nell is as she softly mentions that she's in the fire. 
and she's been there for quite some time. And the way she says that, mm-hmm. oh my God. While leaning and arching her back, she continues speaking that she will, jo- she that they will soon join her. Lewis is sobbing, but Cotton tells him not to believe the demon's lies. Nell laughs as she questions him, cracking his, cracking her neck back and forth, um, to look at him. Cotton um, starts performing the exorcism on her on her by reading the Bible quickly. Nell screams, "Quote words, words." words end so quote good. causing him to stop talking she tells him to stay quiet for 10 seconds and she will uh, let Nell go he agrees Nell breaking her fingers as she counts down Lewis is crying um, Cotton has no idea how to face how to face this telling her to stop it he, she falls to the ground in the splits telling him um, that he lost he apologizes to Lewis he tells Cotton to do something um, gripping on on he tells Cotton, excuse me, he apologizes to Lewis. He tells Cotton to do something while gripping his gun even harder. He's like, do something. I'm about to kill my daughter right now, dude. Yeah. Like, for real. like it's about to go down, my guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do something. Nell says that she's um, that she will do something, calling calling out to Cotton, suggesting a blowing job. That was right. I think he said a blower job. Ah, oh, damn! Did yeah, I? Close. Damn. <laughs> blower job. I think blowing blower jobs. Uh, you know, they're all the same. According to Cotton, not that no, they're not. <laughs> While she is laughing, Cotton confidently goes up to her, asking, "What does she say?" Knowing that she doesn't know, no, knowing that she doesn't know, claiming that she's a, not a demon, she spouts that a demon um, would know that she, uh, this is know what this is, but not a sixteen-year-old homeschool girl. He is continu- he. As he continues shouting that she um, is an innocent girl, she screams no while holding her ears. She begins to weep, repeating that she isn't innocent. Cotton holds her, telling Daniel to turn the camera off. Instead, he zooms in (laughs) until Cotton tells him to turn it off again. That scene. It's intense. It is. It's great acting on her part. I'm still like... I agree. So is she... Is this an act for her? Is this an actual possession? she's possessed. I still think she's possessed, yeah. Okay. I think this maybe is a very smart demon, too. It's like playing with him. It's so tough. The main thing is like you're, I mean, the end goal right now, too, like when she gets quote unquote better, it's like, yeah, you're good. You can leave, but you're leaving because I want you to. I'm getting rid of you. And then what is with this moment of her breaking down and saying she's not innocent and all that? Is she aware of what's happened to her? or The pregnancy. Yeah, but she, so she is aware of it. Yeah. I then, don't think this is her anymore. I think this is really... You think this is all the demon? All the demon. Yeah, because if she still has faith, wouldn't she be pleading for help if she's aware that this has happened? Because it's, it's really confusing. I wish I we think, had answers. I think at this point she's fully possessed. Got it. I, do, I don't want it to take away from the scene because it is great. It is great. Just from a horror standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, it, it's a very horrific scene. Yeah. And it works really well. It works really well. Cuts have gotten leaving out of Nell's room while everyone else is waiting for him. They are eager to know how she is doing. Lou is commenting that she seems to be resting. Cotton tells him that she is relieved and resting very well. He asks Lewis if he if he knows a boy named Logan who works at a cafe. Lewis doesn't know who that is, um, just uh, wants to know if Abalam is gone. Cotton tells him that uh, she doesn't have a demon. She just She's just shameful because she is pregnant from a boy named Logan. Lewis tells him that it, it is impossible and she um, and he's about to walk away. You know what, Freddie? I think you're right. Because at this point in time, she only speaks about in herself in third person. Yeah. Right. And, well, see, I saw that and I was like, 
okay, I guess it doesn't make sense because what we find out actually happens. But I thought it was a coping mechanism of her to separate herself from the trauma if she feels like she was and raped. That's how or it's supposed like to be that. played yeah. out. And I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's how we're supposed to feel. But ah. we know that that's right. not the case. Yeah, got it. Iris is about to comment, but he. Cuts her, he cuts her off, shouting that she's delirious from what she just went through. Cotton asks for Lewis to listen uh, to her for for himself. They uh, will he, they will hear it from her, and he'll see the truth. Nail is sitting on the bed, speaking with her father about about a night with Logan a couple of years ago. All right, couple years ago, couple of years ago. Remember, keep these dates in your head. <laughs> Two years, okay. Two years. Mom dies. Okay, two years ago, she leaves the church. Two years ago, she meets Logan. It's confusing then, because, well, she would she be pregnant for a couple of years? Exactly. Or? Yeah. That's the confusing part. Okay. <laughs> uh, she is speaking about herself in third person, Logan picking her up um, in her car, driving in the field, and asking if they can have sex. Lewis is visibly upset as she continues, telling her to stop, shouting that she was raped. But Nell claims that she's... Um, that, um, she liked it and she said yes cotton tells her that's enough lewis is sitting down cotton standing across from him he comments that there is a boy that works at the cafe but he doesn't know his name assuming that it's um it's logan cotton is trying trying to phone pastor manley asking for him to call him back lewis is in bed holding nail manley drives up to the farm cotton greeting him and becky as they go inside inside the house cotton tells him that she admitted that logan impregnated her they are surprised knowing who he is he doesn't he doesn't know um, what else he can do for them, mainly asking if Lewis is on board with psychological help for Nell. Cotton believes that he will be open to the idea at this point. Manly agrees and he'll call him first thing. They are upstairs in Nell's room. They greet each other after... Um, they greet each other before Manly has a sermon with Nell. They watch from the doorway, feeling accomplished with all their work. Cut to the crew driving down the country road. Cotton sighs that he hasn't seen, he hasn't seen anything quite like that before not knowing what uh, what he was doing in that moment, knowing that Nell will need some serious help, joking that Lewis will also as well. They are passing up um, Richie's ca- Cafe, or Richie's Cafe? Um, Cotton asking what was the name of the cafe that Logan worked at. Iris excitedly agrees that that was the name. They head inside, Logan coming over to them. He cuts cut to him calling Nell a liar, and that he's not the father, not knowing her, claiming that he um, that he met her at Manley's party and um, talked to, and she talked to him for a minute. Iris seeks um, confirmation that it um, it was Pastor Manley's house last summer. Last summer. Hmm. So is it a year ago? Is it two years? That's interesting. What the fuck is yeah. this timeline? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? He confirms, claiming again that he did not um, get her pregnant. He tries to mention that he's not interested in girls, claiming that she's um, lying again. Back on the road, Cotton wondering um, what what a pastor is doing throwing a party for 16-year-olds, reminding them that Manly claimed to not see Nell for in over three years. Wait, what? Yeah. Where is this coming from? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like... I'm like, what? Um, but we're oh, must be demon time. Maybe, yeah. We're, demon we're, time. <laughs> we're running close to t- we're running close to time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna blaze through a little bit. He confirms, claiming again that um he did not get her pregnant, or excuse me, um 
Iris comments that that both Nell and him are lying. She wonders why she would lie about it. Cotton thinks it, it could be um, to get them out of the house. She still wonders why. Cotton turns the van around to head back to the Sweetser's house. They... They pull up to the house completely dim and dark. Cotton and Iris walk up to the house calling for Lewis. The door is unlocked. They head inside. Pentagrams painted all over the walls. Inside Nell's room, more sat- satanic symbols um, painted all over the, her ceilings and, and wall. And at this point, music is full blown right here. There's all music yeah. throughout the rest of the film. And I'm just like... 100% officially taken out of it. <laughs> Cotton is outside. Iris telling him um, that the phones have been ripped out of the wall. Oh no, whatever are we going to do? Because we don't have cell phones. He shushes her, <laughs> asking if, if, she's, uh, if she hears that. She does it right away. Then a distant scream in the woods. Cotton starts moving toward the screams of Nell, Iris whispering to him to listen to her. He shushes her again. She calls this insane as they continue um, toward the screams, but he wants to find Nell. Daniel, thinking she has a point, Manly is uh, shouting in tongues in the distance. Cotton tells him to turn the light off. No, dude, let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck Nell at this point. Like, let's go. Like, let's leave. Yeah, your best chance of saving her is to go get someone. Yes. They make it to the field where the town folk are chanting over a pit of fire. Nell is giving birth on t- on the t- on a table with uh, the help of Becky. Lewis tied up to a pole with, with a blindfold on and Caleb standing next to them. Manly is in a cloak at the head of the table. Iris comments that they should get the police and that she wants to get out of there. Cotton tells them to wait, figuring out the, um, that Pastor Manly is leading the whole thing. They pull, um, they pull bloody... St- or they pull a bloody screaming baby creature thing out of Nell. Manly um, takes the uh, bloody creature hailing Abalom and throwing it into a pit of fire. The fire roars as, it's, as it screeches. Iris whimpers that she wants to get out of there and that they have to go. The birds squawk as they leave out of the area and booming growl from the creature as the fire shoots above. Daniel shouting for them to leave. Cotton has this cross in his hand, lowering his head and speaking in Latin as he goes to face the flames. Yep. Uh, the flame grows uh, larger as he approaches it, shouting that he, um, they can't have Nell's soul. A country ma- a countryman spouts I- um, Iris and Daniel, yelling at them. There they go, right there. Then with the camera, go get them, <laughs> kill her, kill the bitch. <laughs> they are running out of the area. People yelling and screaming as they run toward them. They grab Iris, a woman yelling to kill her as they as they take an axe and chop her up. Daniel continues running until he um, feels that uh, feels like he's at a safe enough distance. He is face to face with Caleb. He ch- uh, takes a sickle, slicing Daniel's slicing Daniel across the neck. The camera drops to the ground. Then credits damn i hate this ending yeah i had to agree with you but it's also nell's painting he goes up to the fire oh yeah every, everything is, is what Nell predicted right. but i hate this ending so much i hate it so much elaborate hate, for us i hate the the slap sticky let's throw in a uh, hillbilly <laughs> Like, cults like, of, well, just I mean, like ugh. we got the, the exposition early on, but the cult was fine. There's like, no payoff. Really. I didn't mind the cult. I just didn't like how fast this was. Yeah, like this was so quick. Yeah, like this. It wrapped like, up. Way the last too ten quickly. minutes were just like go 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 go. Done. Yeah, like it, it was oh. like this felt like they were just like shit. I forgot we only got a million dollar budget. But that's why I, I felt like the tones were so off of this movie. Is that like. Immediately after the barn scene, they're like, okay, let's go to the diner. Let's meet this guy. It's like, all right, all of the intensity that we just saw, gone. 
Well, the you diner expect was on a whim, back. though, right? Huh? Yeah, the diner was on a whim, it. right? Right. Like they but that's the thing. By. is like, oh, okay. we just had a very intense moment. Now we have this, like, breakage just of, cool down. let's drive. Whoa, look, there's a diner. Let's do an interview. Now let's go back to the intensity out of nowhere. Yeah. It just, it, like, it stops. It cuts it. Like, that yeah. doesn't work. And I still don't um, like the fact that Cotton just, like, literally forgets about his whole family. And just, <laughs> right. Like, the yeah. big thing, too, I was just, like, uh, I'm watching the movie while we're talking and stuff like that, too, uh, so I can follow along with the scenes. There's a lot of scenes where it just cuts to, like, B footage of just, like, the, yes, moon, the moon, a tire swinging. Yeah. I'm just, like, this takes away the intensity as well. It's, like, just keep us in the moment. I mean, I felt the same exact way with uh, with the visit. Right. You know, like, and it's I like, think I even made B-footage? that. I was, like, the, the, this like, B-roll <laughs> is very odd here. Like, but we have the context that children are editing that video. That is true. Yeah, but still, I mean, we're not going to even talk about the visit again because I've <laughs> I've talked about. Check out the episode. There. Yes. <laughs> we go deep like, into it. You will hear all my grabs there. But let's fucking jump into some other fucking movie facts. Movie, movie facts. facts. <laughs> uh, Ashley spent over um Ashley Bell spent over a month researching her role, including the study of several manias. Whoa. Good for her. Yeah, and she nailed it. Devoted to the role. The film poster was actually banned in the UK after receiving complaints deeming the image was offensive. In what way? She was bent over backwards over uh, upside down cross. Oh, I think that's got it. two sacrilegious, I guess. Yeah. Um, the a crew member's brother was a real exorcist and was on set advising director Daniel Stam. He makes an unbilled cameo in the film and can be seen on the left of the Rev- of Reverend Cotton when he delivers his sermon about the Prince of Lies. Damn. Interesting. That's really cool. That is cool. Uh, contrary to popular belief, every single person on screen in this film is a proper actor. Why would that be? <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm the, <laughs> why, why wouldn't we think that? This Makes film took now. three years to develop. Whoa. Oh, my God. So they started in 2007? I guess so. It means that's why they don't have smartphones. Maybe. That explains we it. We cracked the case. We cracked it. The script took three years to complete. Whew. So six years total. Oh my god! Three years to complete the script, and you couldn't come up with different names. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Or a better ending? Just kidding. Oh man! As a novel marketed device, the filmmakers use um a ch- a chat. Oh, they just combined it. A chat roulette to publicize their film. I remember this. I remember that they used chat roulette for this film where they would actually host the exorcism on people who would pop up on chat roulette as yeah. a marketing ploy. Damn. Yeah, I remember that. You That's can find cool. them still. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you can still find them. Um, Patrick Fabian p- based his performance on Jimmy um, Saugard and Burt Lanchester in Elmer Gantry. Oh, didn't know that. Oh, I guess Cotton was based after a real person. Um, I love hearing that. Yeah, original entitled Cotton after... Uh, Reverend Cotton Mather, which was a Bostonian in the 1600s. Oh, damn. Huh. Yeah. So Interesting. Very interesting. Make that money. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this last one right here. The scene in which Nail is given a pair of red Doc Martens stemmed from the, the fact that the insurance company refused to cover Ashley Bell for her exorcism scenes if she was running around barefoot. You know, I it's so funny you bring that up because I was going to bring that up throughout the film because especially because I was like, what was the context of that? Just because. Yeah. And when I saw the chains on her ankles, I'm like, they must have done it for that they added yeah. story Protection. context so she could actually be chained up but right that makes so much more sense i was damn i should have said something damn 
He said right, it now. Said it now. I, yeah, but now it just seems now. like I'm faking it. Faker. <laughs> you fraud. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's that's this movie. Like I said, it's 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 okay. It's an okay movie for me. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fine movie. But let us know what you think over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod. That's night with a K. This was a long episode, oddly. Um, <laughs> it's always the ones that we're we we're kind of disagreeant. On. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We go longer on. That's true. But this was a fun one, though. I had a lot of fun on this. Yeah, one. it was fun. But definitely let us know. We want to keep this conversation alive. What do you think of this movie? Because next month we are jumping into a classic. Everybody. You mean next week? Uh, excuse me. Yes, next week. Thank <laughs> you so much. It is late. Um, but we are diving into a classic of a film the film that inspired dead space oh. we are jumping into event horizon and never I'm seen it so fucking I can't excited wait. i've never heard of it it's on my watch oh my list lawrence washburn watch and um uh sam neill i'm excited god tears there you go god tears but this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Yes. Also known as Lila. Other than that, we had Freddy. Blowing jobs. <laughs> oh, my God. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this shot is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over on patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they would. Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody. Don't forget your nightlight.